0: Thank you, Brother Scott. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Len, for allowing us to come over and worship the Lord with you this morning. <clears throat> I'm so happy to have my wife, Pat. We've been married 35 years. She has one prayer. Her prayer is, Lord, let him increase, and I decrease. And uh, from 34 to where I have come, it's all because of our prayer and good cooking. <laughs> My wife comes from Northern India. I'm a good old boy from South India. So I married a Yankee from (laughs) India. We are blessed with three children, Kim, Marsha, and Robert Jr. Robert Jr. is a student at uh, Bethany College of Missions up in Minnesota, Minnesota. And in about a week's time, he is leaving for the country of Georgia as a missionary intern for 16 months. So we're very, very proud of him and the call of God upon his life. So he will be a third-generation preacher in the Jairaj family. So I'm very, very happy and excited about it. I'm a sixth-generation Christian, so that makes him the seventh-generation Christian. The other day I shared the testimony of how my uh, uh, great-great-grandparents, six generations ago, came into the faith. Uh, they were Hindus. They belonged to a particular caste in South India. And his name was Ganapati Nadar. That's the caste name. Nadar was the caste name. And they used uh, their last name as the caste name. And uh, there was a missionary from Scotland who had come to this little place called Nazareth. When they came into this area, the whole area was Hindu dominated area, but slowly but surely through the gospel, And by giving education, they were able to win many people to Christ. This is in a place called Thurnal District in southern Tamil Nadu. One day he was sitting in his uh, house in the mission compound, and he happened to see my great-great-great-grandfather walking down the street to go to the market. And something said within him, go stop Ganapati. So he stopped him, and he said, Ganapati, from this day forth, And he put the mark of the cross. And he said, from this day forth, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you shall be Abraham. And uh, my great, great, great grandfather had a holy thread around his chest. And the first thing he did, he could not walk any further to go to do his business. On that day, he just returned home. The first thing he did, he went and uh, took a uh, pair of scissors and cut off the holy thread. And his wife happened to see that, and she said, what has happened to you? Why are you doing what you're doing? So he said, the missionary at the church stopped me on my way to the market, and he told me from this day forth I shall be known as Abraham. So I have become a Christian, and God has touched my heart, and I don't think I need this holy thread anymore to make myself known as a Hindu. The story is this, she was a devil dancer. In that village, for any kind of Hindu festival, she would be called and she would be asked to invoke the presence of the evil one upon her so that she could start the proceedings. So she was invoking the evil spirit to come upon her. She went to every idol in the house that she could look for and she was trying to invoke the evil spirit to come upon her, but no evil spirit would come upon her because Abraham has just walked into the house the Abrahamic blessing had just come into that house so she said I'm going to go and show that missionary what I can do so she ran to the missionary bungalow there he was sitting there it was about lunchtime that's how the story is told to me and he came out immediately noticing this woman so he came and stopped her and he said in the name of the father son and the holy spirit you shall be known as sarah the abrahamic blessing came into our family but i have to tell you my last name my surname is not Nadar anymore it is jairaj there was a missionary from north carolina who came to south india to the state of tamil nadu in nineteen forty six yesterday i showed the picture of reverend and mrs doris edwards with their 1946 fort they brought with them in the ship to India and he was a great man he was a mentor to my father spiritual mentor to my father even though my father by this time was born in a Christian family in the Anglican Church tradition he was brought up but he came into the Pentecostal faith at the age of nine when he had a vision of Jesus Christ at the age of 10 he was filled with the Holy Spirit and then the hand of the Lord was upon him And he came to this little place called Kanakapala Walasai in Shankota region. And there he met this missionary, and he was asked to help him initially. My dad was not interested in the ministry because Pentecostal ministry those days back in the 1940s was very difficult. No money, nothing, but we had only Jesus. Well, thank God for that. But those early days were tough days. So my father seeing all this, he refused to join the ministry. But one night when he went down to pray, he said that he had never gotten up that night from his knees till six o'clock in the morning. And he said God dealt with him and spoke to him to remain in that little village where he lived for the next 65 years. He went to be with the Lord in the year 2013. If he was alive, he would be today 91 years old. He and Brother Davis worked together in South India. I'm so thrilled to see Brother Davis here and so thrilled to see Tim and his family here. They lived with us in Delhi for a few years uh, when they were in India. And Brother Edwards told my father, now that you are a Pentecostal Christian and it is not right for you to carry your father's surname or the last name, which is a caste name, He said, we will make Jairaj the last name from now on. And when I was born, when he dedicated me on the 40th day, he dedicated me with the name Robert Johnson Jairaj. So Jairaj has become a family name now, and we have removed the cast name because of the Abrahamic blessing that came in, even though they kept their name for a few generations. But when Brother Edwards came, he taught my father not to have that, and that's how we are now known as Jairaj. And I'm so happy to have Robert Jr. Jairaj with us. God bless you. And I'm so thankful to you, Pastor, for allowing us to come and share a little bit of our ministry in Delhi. We've been in Delhi for the last 38 years. God helped me to work with uh, three wonderful missionaries from Assemblies of God USA those days. One was uh, Reverend and Mrs. Ron Tuttle. The other one was Reverend Mrs. Bud Coleman, and the third one was Reverend and Mrs. Doyle Oliver from Texas. I do not understand how God works. Toddles were there for nearly 15 years. The Coleman's were there for 10 years, and the Oliver's were there for three years. And it was time for all three of them to come home on furlough. And the last missionary, that was Doyle Oliver, he came to me, Robert, it's time for us to go home on furlough. But more than just going home on furlough, I have to take my wife because she needs medical treatment. And he said to me, for this next one year while we are gone, if you can take care of the ministry, then we'll come back and take over from you. I said, that's fine. That's a good arrangement just for one year because up until that time i was like an evangelist i was i was traveling here and there with four messages for the whole year and it was a good time you know, enjoyable time so here when they told me in a year's time we will come back i dreaded the thought of becoming a pastor for one whole year that means fifty two sundays with fifty two sermons and fifty two wednesday nights with fifty two bible studies so I said to him, Brother Oliver, if you come back in one year's time, I can help you just for a year. And he's still coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and God has established us there in the city of Delhi. I cannot take the credit for the Bible school because that was the vision of these three men who were there. Our Bible school <coughs> was started after 50 years after the first school that was in Hordoi. Hardoy Bible Institute was started in the year 1932 and for the next 50 years brother Davis remember this for the next 50 years there was one more single Bible school for all of North India we have over 750 million people living in North India today where we have 3500 unreached people groups live but I thank God for these three men who felt the calling I was there with them they called me in because I had just returned to India from America after d- receiving my education here at Southeastern in Lakeland and then up in Springfield with a master's in theology. They said, you have come at the right time. You know, those days, you know, we never questioned our leadership. Whenever, whatever they asked us to do, we did that. So Brother Coleman, a dear friend of mine, I like him, he was a mentor to me. He said, Robert, you have come at the right time. And uh, we want to start a Bible school because this is the need for us in Northwest India to establish churches, to do evangelism, and to plant churches. I said, yes, fine. Thank God I have a degree. So they said, you be the teacher. So I was a teacher. You know, those days, this is how we taught. From morning 9 o'clock till evening 5 o'clock, I would be the only teacher. And then the second day that one of the missionaries would come and teach. Again the same thing, nine to five. Like this we were doing. And during the weekends, I would go around and preach in the local areas. We had only four house churches in 1982 in the city of Delhi, the capital city of India. That point of time it was a city with four million people. Today we have more than 18 million people living in the city of Delhi. Four house churches and brother coleman one time told me robert the problem with these house churches you know what happens when we go home on furlough you know somehow it just winds up and when we come back we have to redo it again so he told me he challenged me he said make sure these churches are going i said brother coleman i'm just a new entrant into the ministry of the assemblies of god here in the capital city but i'll do whatever you ask me to do but by then They felt the need for an English church in the city of New Delhi. We became, uh, the name of our church is Global Christian Life Center today. And uh, they started this church with an idea of reaching out to the English-speaking Pentecostal people who had come into Delhi from other parts of India because India has a language problem. We have 16 official languages spoken in India with several hundreds and thousands of dialects. All right. So we travel 60 kilometers from Delhi. They speak an entirely different dialect, even though Hindi is known as the official language for all of India. So we felt yes, and we prayed about it. And we started this church in the year 1982, October the 3rd. We started this church. And uh, by the grace of God, when Brother Oliver had to come home, you know, that responsibility of taking care of the church was upon me. Thankfully, by that time, the Tuttles had just returned home, uh, returned to India from their furlough here in America. So he helped me. I told him, Brother Tuttle, I've never pastored in my life, but I'll take up this challenge if you will help me and if your wife, Barbara, will play the piano for us. (laughs) And they agreed to that. And I'm glad that they agreed to that. And today we are a church. Today we are a church with 400 people. But I have to tell you the truth. In the year 2000, I had to dismantle the church structure. Because by that time we had grown to be 1,700 people. We had people who spoke Tamil language, spoke Hindi language, spoke Malayalam and other languages. And God spoke to me because we had a very small place. Uh, Pastor Scott worked with us for 11 years in that little building. That's where we had our Bible school. And uh, it was too difficult for 1,700 people to come together. So we had to meet in different locations. So I called one day. My wife also pastored one of those churches for seven years and i told them look this is the problem but i feel god is telling us if we just branch out on our own god will give us the multiplication today from that little church of seventeen hundred people we have grown into eight churches and we have more than five thousand people worshiping god in all these churches hallelujah when we split the church I came down to one hundred and seventy-six people the very first Sunday. One hundred and seventy-six people and we were meeting in uh in Trivianikala Sangam, that's where Tim and Shelley came and worshiped with us for a few years. And I said, God, you have to tell me what I should do. And by the grace of God, in Delhi today, the Assemblies of God has 180 churches in the Greater Delhi area. And God helped the Bible school. Scott worked with us. And Scott helped me in the church also. I remember the days every Sunday night he would do a Bible study. By this time, I was loaded with responsibilities. I became the district superintendent. I became the assistant superintendent for the Assemblies of God of North India. So, so many responsibilities. So I had to travel so much here and there doing evangelism and establishing churches. God gave us the freedom. One thing that happened in India, in the Assemblies of God, there was a decade called the Decade of Harvest. Some of you might remember that. During the Decade of Harvest, my dad being the General Superintendent for South India, one year he came to attend a meeting in Springfield where they shared this Decade of Harvest concept with the leadership of the Assemblies of God from around the world. So, my dad came back and he shared this concept with us. Since it was from God, many leaders immediately embraced this concept. In Tamil District, they had 174 churches at the time, at the beginning of Decade of Harvest, and they prayed for 500 more churches. And they created four departments the Department of Prayer, the Department of Evangelism, the Department of Missions, and the Department of Finance. And they put four key pastors one of them was pastor Dean Mohan who is our general superintendent in India today and they prayed for 500 more churches by the time 1999 came they had exceeded something like 800 churches in the district it was the same time in North India also God began to do wonders we prayed for that whole decade for us in Delhi to have 100 churches but i tell you by the time two thousand came we were a church of over three hundred churches in the northwest region hallelujah and one of the key components for that greater growth was central bible college i heard that uh, last sunday you had the opportunity to watch a little uh, video it was made in two thousand seventeen what you saw in the video that's how it is today because we started The building project in faith, I am very grateful to the the Assemblies of God, World Mission, Springfield. They bought us the land. It is only a half an acre land, but I have to tell you the price. They paid almost 400,000 US dollars to get that half an acre piece of land. And then we came up with a budget to build a five-story building where 12 teachers could stay on campus with 100 students. This was our project. And it would cost us almost a million and a half dollars. But we didn't have the money. Springfield told us, we've got you the land. Now you have to trust in God. I said, yes, we will. (laughs) And I tried to raise money from India. We came up. With a program called Friends of CBC, and we were asking each friend to give only $400. That's all. We converted that into Indian rupees. We were asking for 25,000 rupees, which would come to 440 some dollars. So we were asking each one to give us 440 dollars in two years' time. Several friends joined hands together, and we were able to raise something like. A 50 to 60,000 US dollars right there in India. It was a miracle. It was never done before. And God helped us. We started, and that's what you saw last Sunday here in the video, and we have stopped right there. We stopped the work in the year uh, 2017, and we have not added a brick to the building because I owed a great amount of money to the builder. The builder is a Hindu, but he said to me, Pastor, I have built four churches right here in the city. And I know you people always begin without any money in your hand. But then God provides. And so I will start. And you pay me when you get the money. But for some reason, we got stuck. Since 2017 till now, we got stuck. No dollar was coming in. No rupee was coming in. I said, God, what are you trying to say? You told us to start and we have started it. Now, what? I tell you, it was a time of really trusting in God. Our student body, every day from 11 to 1, two hours, they would pray. Two hours, sincerely, they would pray for funds to come in. And now funds are starting to roll in. Thank God for that. We trust in a great God. What he said he would do, we believe he would see it completed. Hallelujah. And I'm glad this morning through my friend, uh, Scott, that Tuscaloosa First Assembly is joining hands with us. And I thank you, each one of you. God bless you. This is how we say thank you in India. May God bless you. May God expand you and increase you in the days to come. So this is where we are. And as my wife and I came to attend the general council in Orlando a couple of weeks ago, God helped me to run into a few friends, old friends, who are pastoring churches today, and they told me that they want to have a part in this Bible school. So, whatever you give to us, I appreciate you and I thank you on behalf of Central Bible College, New Delhi, on behalf of our faculty and student body. I say big thank you to each one of you. May God bless you. I know this church has been doing so many things in the past years uh, through the Davises and through the Martins uh, in India. Now, I'm glad that I got the opportunity to be here. So this is me, Robert and Pat Jairaj, with our son, Robert Jr. God bless you. India is a great country. It's a country with great civilization, great history. Some say it's 5,000 years old. Some say it is beyond that nobody can accurately put a date to say when india was created but if you see the old indian maps the british india india was stretched from afghanistan to burma to the borders of burma and sri lanka also this was known as british india it was not the real india that we call today the republic of india in today's republic of india we don't have pakistan we don't have afghanistan we don't have bangladesh we don't have sri lanka We don't have, we just have the little V-shaped map that you see of India. But still it is a country with 130 million people. One-third of the nation still live in abject poverty. Education is a big challenge, but thank God today. uh, We have to thank the Indian Christian missionaries. The missionaries who came from the West, who started schools, started medical clinics homes for the children home for the poor home for the destitute home for the elderly people like Mother Teresa they did great work in India even the Hindus would agree thank God for you Christians who ran those schools and colleges today we have a better education even in your country you see today a lot of Indians coming over many doctors and engineers and IT professionals are working here and there they have all been trained in Christian schools because in India, a Christian school always has a name because they are, number one, they are faithful to God. Number two, they want to serve people. So the education is the best that you can find anywhere in India is in a Christian school. And this is how India, uh, the nation, was helped. We got our independence in the year 1947. But even prior to that, missionaries were doing so much work in the areas of education as I told you the area where my great 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 grandparents came that was totally a abandoned area as far as culture as far as education was concerned people even women would not wear their tops they were almost half naked that's how the story is told to us today but when missionaries came the whole area was totally revolutionized that's why they named Even if you come there today in South Tamil Nadu, you will see names of little villages, Samaria, Jerusalem, Zion, Nazareth, you know, missionaries gave the names. As people came uh, by the hundreds and thousands to the church, you know, they baptized them, they gave them Christian names. Sometimes people ask, how come in India you have Christian, I mean, Western names? They took up Western names as Christian names. You understand? That's how, you know, we were named. Because when we came into the faith many, many years ago, people wanted to totally cut themselves from all the Hindu ties, and they would take Christianity. Most of the time, converts would take up the names of missionaries. Even my dad wanted to name me Robert because of Robert Edwards, the missionary who came to Tamil Nadu first. That's how I was named. And today, India is a growing nation, it's a developing nation. With all the setbacks, the setback people will say is because we have 1.3 billion mouths to feed every day. Many of them don't get to eat. The stats show some frightening facts. One third of the children's population, India is a young nation also, under, I mean 65 percent of our nation's population belong to the age of under 30 so we are a young nation and children many of them in the big cities like Bombay Madras Delhi Calcutta we see children who do not have food that is why people like Mark Buntain, when they came the feeding program is still going on in the city of Calcutta the Buntains have left today we have reverend ivan Satyavrata, one of our finest uh, christian leaders from the assemblies of god he's the senior pastor of the church and the chairman they still feed nearly fifteen thousand people every day from that church you know so these are all some of the problems some of the challenges that we have but i tell you the gospel is changing the lives and the destiny of people hallelujah A few months ago I was returning from Tamil Nadu to to Delhi and I was about to board the plane suddenly I heard somebody screaming my name Pastor Jayaraj praise the Lord in that Madras airport I just looked around there were so many people hundreds and hundreds of people suddenly I hear this name Pastor Jayaraj praise the Lord so I looked for somebody from the, the direction where the sound came so I was walking toward that and I saw a military officer He said to me pastor you might not know me I have seen you preach at the industrial school chapel many times I was a student at the age industrial school I was a Hindu born as a Hindu and uh, there was no one to help me so they put me up in this school for studies I finished my high school went through the trade uh, instruction here and while I was a student here I accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior and I took baptism today I'm an army officer and I'm working in Kashmir you know such stories you can hear all the time I'm sure the Davises can tell you stories of their children's home, the orphanage they had in Junna and other places I tell you dear people of God we cannot adequately evaluate the contribution missionaries have made to India we thank God for our missionaries But today, the Indian government does not allow missionaries to come to work in India. They have closed the door to all Western missionaries. But God is bringing people to India, not necessarily with the title missionaries. They're coming as engineers. They're coming as scientists. They're coming as business people. And many Christian people. I have so many American friends in the city of Delhi, not necessarily our missionaries, but they are business people. And they are letting the light of Jesus shine through their life and testimony and their business. This morning, I would like to share just one verse with you to explain to you Scott did not tell me what I what time I should finish it's already 1152 past. please tell me I don't want to take much time I want to come back again <laughs> 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 uh? <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> we thank God for the missionaries I'm sharing all these stories about the work of the missionaries in the past since 2000 we're losing our own assemblies of God missionaries one by one because they cannot get their missionary visa into India we have a new system in HW the new missionaries who come to India are known as people with live dead ministry they've been asked to work among the unreached people groups of India we're very happy for that they live with them they study the language, they study the culture, they're just going around. They're not able to do the kind of work missionaries did in India in the sixties and seventies, eighties and nineties because they are mixing with people. It is a very difficult time right now in India. So the responsibility of reaching the people of India is in the hands of the Indian church, the Indian people. And we thank God for that. It is an opportunity that God has given to us. If you study the church history of India, for the last 200 some years, the ministry in India was done by our missionaries. And I can tell you honestly, I'm very thankful to our missionaries. My own family background, I told you, they came into the faith nearly six generations ago through a Scottish missionary who came And we thank God for the Assemblies of God missionaries who started coming to India, even from the inception of the Assemblies of God here, 1914. There were missionaries who were in India, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at that time, and they were thrown out from their mainline denominations, and Assemblies of God embraced them and used them, and that's how our Assemblies of God missionaries were living in India. I believe uh, that... Davis came in the beginning of 1970s, I think. Then they gave another 35, 40 years to missionary service in India. But today, things have changed. The Indian leadership is very strong because they were trained by missionaries. I'm not ashamed of that. My own father, my father would say when he came in to work with the missionaries, he was just a high school graduate without much experience in life. He would name missionaries who taught him how to do the bookkeeping. He would name missionaries who told him how to who taught him how to do minutes in the committee meetings. He would tell missionary names who taught them how to do conduct business in the conferences, in the district councils and all that. And he would say, Son, I am a product of the Assemblies of God missionaries. We thank God for that. And he would always say, we need to respect them and honor them and love them, whether they are here with us or not. And that was why when I saw Brother Davis out there at the lobby, I was so touched. I was so overwhelmed to see him. I wish I could see Sister Davis, but she's not here. Dear people of God, today, the church scene is totally different. We who were like little kids have now become the leaders in India. And this is God's doing. Amen. This is God's doing. But I have to thank you for sending your dear and precious ones to India to work with us. In order to illustrate what I'm trying to say to you, I want to read a scripture from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, starting from verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Remember the Samaritan woman who came and had an encounter with Jesus. Her life was changed. And she went back to her village and she told the people in the village everything that Jesus did to her. So they believed in Jesus because of her testimony. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, verse 42, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And now we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Hallelujah. The entire village came to Jesus because of the testimony of this woman. And when that village came finally to Jesus... And had an opportunity to hear from Jesus themselves directly. Then the testimony became like this. We believe in this man not because of your testimony. Now we have heard him. Hallelujah. I pray this morning somehow the Holy Spirit would make these words live in your own spirits. You are not hearing the voice of a man. You are hearing the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. When I read this passage, God began to work in my life. We heard Jesus. And that is why we believe in him. I pray this morning that India will hear Jesus. When I look at this woman, Samaritan woman, if I may explain to you this way, there was a time, missionaries came they were like the Samaritan woman they took the good news to the people and brought people to the feet of Jesus and our people are coming to accept Jesus and they say it's not because of so-and-so it's not because of the denomination it's not because of that church now we have an opportunity to hear the words of Jesus directly now we believe in Jesus a country of 1.3 billion people the church growth international there is an office in the city of Madras they came up with this figure some time ago they said in their findings they find in India today there must be 10 percent Christians some even put the figure to 14 percent I do not know the government always said we are only 3.4 percent let them say what they have to say but I can tell you, dear people of God, some months ago or some years ago, Brother Scott, in front of that L-16 building, I told Pastor Vincent, I said, "Let's put the cross. Of, uh, let's put the cross, the sign of the cross. Let's make a wooden cross and put it right in front." You know what? In India, the Pentecostals don't believe in having the cross and all that. You know, we are very empty. <laughs> They don't, they say, oh, even the cross would be like considered as, a, as an idol, so we should not do. But I said, no, that's the mark. We preached the Christ who died on the cross. There are people coming today. Two Hindu women, about a month ago, I was still there. I was in my office. Two Hindu women stopped in front of the church because they saw the cross. And they came in, a bunch of our kids were practicing for the worship service the next day. They said, is this a church? Yes. What do you do here? They said, we offer prayers. That's the best way to talk to a Hindu. Don't say we do preaching, we do this or that. Just say, we offer prayers. You offer prayer to who? Jesus. Oh, you can pray for us? Yes, of course, we are happy to pray. I'm sitting in the office, two of our young women from the church, they're talking to these two women. They said, we are Hindus, but are we welcome in this church? Well, of course, this church is for you. Please come. <laughs> and they said, we have this need. Could you pray for us? I tell you, dear people, of God, these two kids prayed over them. And they started to believe in Christ. They said, God has done something in our hearts. I tell you, we don't have Mark Buntain living in India anymore. We don't have Vernon Davis with us. We don't have Scott Martin with us. But now they say, we came to this building and we listened to two teenagers and they talked to us about Jesus. Now we have seen Jesus ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is missionary work, dear people of God. Amen. The time has come for the Indian church to take up the leadership. The time has come for the Indian church to take up the responsibility. We cannot look to the west or to the east or north or south. It is our job today for the salvation of India, for the salvation of 1.3 billion people. Hallelujah. The challenge that we have before us is this. We need to present Jesus to everyone. So they can see Jesus. Hallelujah. There are three prayer requests I put before every church during this time I'm visiting America. Number one, we need to have freedom in our India. The government is a pro-Hindu right-wing government. They are trying to pass laws in the nation against conversion. They said anyone should leave their mother religion, which is Hinduism, and accept Christianity. Basically, this law is against the Christians and the church. They say, if they accept the pastor or the minister who baptizes such people, they would be thrown in jail immediately. And the person who has converted to the Christian faith will also end up in jail. So they're trying to take away the liberties that we have in India. So I'm asking you church people here that you pray in your prayer time. If you remember, God would bring it to your mind. You pray, God. Keep the religious freedom in the nation of India free and alive. Hallelujah. Secondly, we pray, those first-generation Christians, we don't call them converts, those first-generation Christians, when they accept Christ, they will remain faithful to Jesus for the rest of their life. In this story, we find Samaritan woman. She was faithful till she brought the entire village to Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah now there will not be anybody who will say you are a Samaritan I'm a Jew you are an outcast I am in no, no 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 now everyone has come to the faith in Christ Jesus now they have a new life in Christ Jesus so we need to pray for all our converts I mean first-generation Christians that they will remain faithful to Jesus Christ till the end of their lives the third request that I put before you is this as I said in the Sunday school class The church in India began with signs and wonders. The story goes like this. When Thomas, the disciple of Christ, came to India in AD 56, he came to southern India. Thank God, every good thing begins in the south. Maybe that's the reason we still have Christianity in India. Sorry if you are from the north. So my wife is with you she's from the north <laughs> when thomas was walking by a river he saw few hindu priests they were hindu brahmins only the brahmins were supposed to be priests they were worshipping the sun god as they were having their bath in the in the river and they kept throwing up the water in the sky as a sign of worship as an offering puja to their god And suddenly something clicked in the mind of Thomas. So Thomas went to them. He said, I see you people keep throwing up the water in the air. But the the water keeps coming down. That means your God is not accepting your offering. But I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I will also do the same thing. I'll also throw the water up in the air. But if the water stays in the air when I do that, will you believe? that my God, Jesus, is the real God. They said yes. They took up the challenge. And he told them to do much like Elijah had time with the prophets. They kept throwing the water up in the air. It's coming down, it's coming down, it's coming down. finally, Thomas said, now it's my time. In the name of Jesus, he threw some water in the air. And history says it stayed in the air immediately he baptized seven Brahmin priests in that water in the name of the father son and the holy spirit that's how the church in india began two thousand years ago even today i travel in the rural areas village areas we hear outstanding miracles outstanding miracles and i would ask you that you continue to pray for us that God will continue to do this miracles and supernatural things in the lives of every church in India. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. Thank God for education. Thank God for knowledge. Thank God for enlightenment and all that is there. Sometimes people begin to reason. How can that be? One man died 2,000 years ago, and he, you say his blood can save us now? People ask us those questions. Sometimes they come for a debate. They tell us, Tell me what happened 2,000 years ago. How can it help me today? But I tell you, when they begin to see miracles in the name of Jesus Christ, sometimes they would say, oh, A man who sinned 6,000 years ago because of his sin, I am carrying the sin. Come on, tell me. I tell you, when we prove to them the power of Jesus Christ, then no knowledge, no intelligence can stand. Amen? Praise God. So dear people of God, I I wish I could take more time, but I don't want to take time. But we all have to go have lunch. (laughs) I want you to understand. I'm sure this is a church that has great missionaries that were supported by this church. I'm saying continue to support missionaries. Wherever the doors are open in the world, please send your missionaries there. But in India right now, the door is shut, but the door is not closed to me. I can go stand in any street corners, even though that is not allowed, that is not welcome today. I can say it as an Indian, Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the Savior of mankind. These people, the village people from Syker came. I do not know how many hundreds of thousands that were there that day. They said, woman, we thank God for pointing Jesus to us. But it's not your testimony. We have heard it ourselves. We now declare he is the savior of the world. Amen. That's Jesus, our Lord. God bless you. Thank you.